Isaiah chapter number 55. I am going to commence reading with verse 6, and I am going to conclude with verse 11. And the words of the prophet Isaiah reads as follows. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Hallelujah. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. By the power of the Holy Spirit and certainly with the aid of your prayers, I want to preach briefly from the subject, an invitation to abundant life. An invitation to abundant life. Take your seats and pray along with me. Our Father and our God, in the immaculate name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Father God, what a wonderful day it is because we have woken up this morning with blood running warm in our veins. We're still counted in the land of the living. And for that, Father God, we can say thank you. Father God, we ask that you move by your spirit this morning, Father God. We thank you for the worship that has gone forth. And we ask that you move by your spirit, Father God, as it relates to the word this morning, Father God. It is my prayer that the words that will come forth from my mouth will be used for our education, edification, but most of all, your accept exaltation. It is also my prayer that the words that will come forth from my mouth will move someone closer in their relationship and the understanding of the great man that you are. It is also my prayer, Father God, that the prayers that are going forth will be placed at your feet. And Father God, and that the prayers will be believed by those sending those prayers and that we would expectantly wait that you would answer our prayer, Father God. Father God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. An invitation to abundant life. The book of Isaiah records the God-inspired words of one of the most greatest prophets in the Bible. That prophet is Isaiah. And more than any other Old Testament prophet, Isaiah became to be known as the messianic prophet because more than any other prophet in the Old Testament, he 
foretold or talked about the coming of Jesus Christ. And in fact, he talked about the coming of Jesus Christ 700 years or more than 700 years before Jesus Christ actually arrived on the earth. And there were two things that that we can say that was evident in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah talked about two things. Isaiah talked about humility. And he also talked about, first of all, he talked about humidity. But um, did I say humidity? Humidity. Well, it was probably it was probably hot during those times. So he talked about humility. He talked about humility. He talked about humility and he also talked about holiness. He also talked about holiness. So he talked about humility and holiness. And if you were to read these 66 chapters of Isaiah, you'll also discover that the first 39 chapters are prophetic words of destruction, prophetic words of destruction. And Isaiah was a prophet of the southern kingdom. That's important for you to know. He was a prophet of the southern kingdom of Israel, that being known as Judah. So the first 39 chapters are prophetic words of destruction for Judah. Chapters 40 through 66, you'll read about prophetic words of restoration, prophetic words of restoration for Israel. So the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, think about those chapters as prophetic words of destruction. So you might imagine if there were prophetic words of destruction in chapters 1 through 39 and in chapters 40 through 66, there were prophetic words of restoration. You might imagine that the tone in chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah versus the tone in chapters 40 through 66 of Isaiah are, were completely different. So, so the tone was a little bit more harsh in the first 39 chapters, and then there was more of, a, more of an encouraging tone in chapters 40 through 66. And you should also know that during the Isaiah's time that he ministered or prophesied, during this particular time, Judah's sister nation, the northern kingdom, fell to the Assyrians, fell to the Assyrian nation because of their sin, because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience. So Isaiah warned the southern kingdom that they would suffer the same fate if they continued to be disobedient, serve false gods, and do ungodly things. So as your outline indicates, the author is Isaiah, the audience are, is the Israelites, and then of course the aim, the aim is, the aim of Isaiah is that you should understand that God will punish his people. You should understand that God will punish us. God punished the Israelites, and if we are ungodly, God will punish us. But also you should know that God will restore us as well. So God will punish us, but God will restore us. So you should understand that. Now, Isaiah chapter 55 falls in that category. Of, remember, I said prophetic words of restoration occurred in chapters 40 through 66. So you might imagine that the tone of Isaiah 55 would be a very, very encouraging tone. But Isaiah 55 can be broken down into two 
separate sections. So it's only 13 verses in Isaiah chapter 55. In the first five verses, Isaiah 55 verses 1 through 5, you'll discover the invitation, the invitation to abundant life, the invitation to abundant life. Isaiah extends an invitation to abundant life. In verses 6 through 13, you'll read about and discover the instructions to receive abundant life, the instructions to receive abundant life. So that, that, is, that is important. That is important. He not only gave us, extended the invitation, Isaiah not only extended the invitation to us, he gave us instructions of how we can receive this abundant life. And so we'll talk about those instructions very, very shortly. In Isaiah 55, 6 through 11, we see a contrast between God's mindset, God's thoughts, and then the mindset of his people, the Israel-like people. So that is what we read those as our key verses, and, and we'll touch on those a little bit in just a moment. What I want to do is just kind of quickly touch on a few things in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 13. I want to highlight a few things about these verses. First of all, I want to talk about this invitation, this invitation to abundant life. The invitation that is extended here by Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 1 through 5, is an invitation to salvation, an invitation to salvation. So this abundant life begins with acceptance of an invitation for salvation. I want to point out to you the word come in verse number one, Isaiah 55 verse one. You'll notice that in Isaiah 55 verse one, the word come, C-O-M-E, is used not once, not twice, but three times. And so when you read in the Bible, these are things that you must hopefully uh, you know, something like this stands out to you because it indicates to me that this is something of importance. It is so important that that Isaiah mentioned the word come three times. And so I want to share with you several associated attributes that the Lord revealed to me from these 13 verses about the word come. First, in verses, I guess, one through five, you'll discover that the word come is candid, C-A-N-D-I-D, candid. What I mean by candid, it is free and it is frank. It is free and it is frank. It is straightforward. It requires commitment. So not only is it candid, but it also requires commitment. But I like how Isaiah phrased verse 1, because at the end of verse 1, he says, wait well, first, well, let me read parts of it. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So the word come, what's associated with that is that 
there's that's not a there's no medium of exchange that is required when you come or accept the invitation to salvation. It clearly says the scripture clearly says without money and without price, no medium of exchange is required. You don't have to do anything to receive salvation other than commit to the belief that God raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. That is the requirement for salvation. No, it doesn't require money. It doesn't require any medium of exchange. So it's candid. It requires commitment. And I'm talking about the word come and, and the attributes associated with come. But it also is crucial. Why do I say that it is crucial? It clearly says in verses 5 and 6 of Isaiah 55, excuse me, verses 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. He will abundantly pardon. So Isaiah thought it was so important, so urgent to say come that he also says, seek the Lord while he may be found. So you know what that means? There's going to come a time that the Lord won't be accessible. Do y'all know that? There's going to come a time that Jesus Christ will not be accessible. Now, I can get into Revelation, and maybe we'll talk about, well, I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Revelation and, and what happens during the rapture. And, but you don't want to be on earth. Trust me, you want to be caught up. If you're not already have passed away, you want to be caught up in the rapture. You don't want to take the chance that you'll be able to figure out what is going on and find Jesus Christ at that particular time. So some of you all that are listening or watching may not know what I'm talking about, but that is the reason why you can come and visit with us at Triumph, and we can tell you all about the wonderful things that we know about the God that we serve. So we know that come is candid. Come requires commitment. Come is crucial. But also, come is compelling. Come is compelling. It's powerful. It's compelling. It's commanding. It's convincing. And it's also certain. I know that's a lot of C's, but y'all know me by now. It's candid. Commit. It requires commitment. It's crucial. Compelling, commanding, convincing, and certain. Why do I say that it is convincing and it is certain? Isaiah 55 and 11 includes the word shall four times. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So it is certain salvation the word of God is certain. I want to bring your attention back to, I realize that 
I want to bring your attention to Isaiah 55 and 2. You see, I said many weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, one of the challenges or one reason why, I would say really the main reason why people don't, go to, don't come to church when you invite them or don't come to church or try to experience God in some way, shape, or form even when they know better, is because they believe that what they have is more valuable than what you are offering them. Now, you and I know that not to be the case. We know that what we have is more valuable than anything in the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But Isaiah gives this invitation in verse number one, and he says, come. He says, come, and he says, come. But he also gives us the reason why we, we should come. And because in verse two, he says, why do you spend money for what? Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. So Isaiah is speaking from personal experience and eat what is good. So Isaiah is saying, look, come eat what is good and let your soul delight itself. Here's the key word in abundance. So think about this. He's saying, come partake in Jesus. Come partake in the God that I serve and you're going to experience something that tastes good, but you're also going to experience abundance. And that is profound and, and fascinating to me because, see, what I go, I'll go back and say what I just said. Many people think that what you are offering to them or what they have is more valuable than what you're offering to them. But if you're offering them God and you got Jesus, you have God, you got Jesus, we got Jesus. Do you know what? All of this, he created all of this. All of this belongs to God. So there is no truth to the belief that what somebody may have is more or better than what you can offer them or what God can offer them and God can give them because God has it all. The Bible tells me my father is rich, very rich. And he, the Bible also tells me that I am joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. So you know what that means? I have an inheritance of abundant life, not in the earthly realm, but also in not only in the earthly realm, but also in eternal realm or the spiritual realm. Correct. All right. So lastly, I want to talk about what leads to abundant life. So what leads to abundant life? What is it that we can do to experience abundant life? Well, we know we should come. We know we should come, but let me be a little bit more specific. So number one, Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Key words that are bold, seek the Lord. So number one, to have abundant life, you must run after the Lord. Run after the Lord. To have an abundant life, you must run after the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be be found. I always say, and it's the last thing that I have written down during this message, but I, let me just go ahead and say it right now. Why 
for those of you who are watching, who will see this, who will hear this on the podcast later, why would you delay experience experiencing an abundant life? There is absolutely no reason for you to delay living an abundant life. So many people are struggling for no reason. They have no reason. And I'm talking about the people that know better. I have a friend right now, and I hope you're watching. I hope you're listening. I'm not going to call your name. But there is no reason why you should be struggling right now. There's absolutely no reason why you should be struggling. You can experience abundant life right now. So number one, to have an abundant life, you must run after the Lord because the scripture says in Isaiah 55 and 6, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. But number two, Isaiah 55 and 6, call upon him while he is near. So to have an abundant life, you must first run after the Lord. But number two, to have an abundant life, you must request of the Lord. Request of the Lord. That is wonderful to me that once you have come to the Lord, once you have accepted Jesus Christ, that you can begin to call upon him and, and, and make, make requests. You can begin to access or tap into the abundant life. All of the things that Jesus, God, talks about in the Bible, you, can Im- you have immediate access, immediate access to these wonderful things, these things that are abundant in nature. So number one, to have an abundant life, you must run after the Lord. Number two, to have an abundant life, you must request of the Lord. But number three, to have an abundant life, you must relinquish or renounce your ways for the Lord. That's fair, right? I think that's a fair exchange. You, you, you need to give up, forsake, as the scripture says in Isaiah 55 and 7. Let the wicked forsake his way. So, yes, yes. Jesus wants you to put your ways aside. And guess what? I'm going to break some news to somebody that is watching or somebody that is listening. Guess what? We're all ratchet. How about that? We're all messed up. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we all have sin. There is no sin that's worse than the other. I want you to know that. There is no sin that's worse than the other. In fact, the Bible declares that if you committed one sin, you've committed them all. That's what the Bible says. So don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. If you're listening, you're watching. But God wants us to, to, to put some of those things, things aside because he wants us to experience the abundant life. Do you not think that Jesus knows all do you not think that he knows what his fathers have i mean we i mean we we have fathers right i mean i think we kind of have a pretty good idea of what what our what our parents what our parents have i mean jesus is in the best position to to articulate what you have access to which immediately upon becoming a joint heir with him so re- to recap, to have an abundant life, you must run after the Lord. To have an abundant life, you must request of the Lord, both according to Isaiah 55 and 6. 
to have an abundant life, you must relinquish or renounce your ways for the Lord, according to Isaiah 55 and 7. And lastly, Isaiah 55 and 7, let him return to the Lord. So to have an abundant life, you must repent, repent to the Lord. So when you relinquish or renounce your ways, repentance calls for you to not only turn away from your ratchet. So that's an R. Your ratchet ways, your ratchet, if you don't like the word ratchet, how about renegade? Your renegade, because some of you all, are, we, some of us sometimes are, are, are renegade in nature. Those of us that have a, a knowledge and belief of Jesus Christ, you got a lot of people are just rejecting, rejecting or have a renegade mindset. So we have people that are rejecting, that's another R, rejecting, renegade, ratchet, whatever it is. Repentance calls for you to turn away from that and to turn towards the Lord. So that's what repentance is. So to have an abundant life, you must run after the Lord. To have an abundant life, you must request of the Lord. To have an abundant life, you must renounce your ways or relinquish your ways for the Lord. And lastly, to have an abundant life, you must repent to the Lord. So you have already been given the gift of earthly life. Why not accept the gift of eternal life? Lastly, I'll say again, why would you delay having an abundant life? Everyone standing.